All right, so this is going to be a semi-heavy um, message or at least subtopic at some point. I just want to give a fair warning as far as that is concerned. I feel as if it's still one that definitely needs to be discussed um, in the Christian community, I feel. So perhaps this is something that's not suitable for all ages. Let's just say that. And one that I'll definitely maybe kind of like preface a little bit as far as um, giving a trigger warning, perhaps, because I do want to talk a little bit about suicide and mental illness within this message. Um, but of course, you know, it's going to tie into something, the overall, you know, theme of what we are going to be talking about here um, today. But again, I just wanted to go ahead and put that out there. So with that being said, of course, welcome everyone. It is me, Victoria Baxter. I am the founding teacher here behind the Reach Online Church, the Reach and Teach podcast, all a part of the JAL ministry again, program coordinator, founding teacher, minister, along with a Christian life coach with New Thing Life Coaching. Uh, but you can learn more about the ministry at www.thejalministry.com. All right. So we're nearing the end of this series because we are quick a lot of times, right, as Christians to recite certain things as if it's gospel. But the question is always, but did Jesus say that? And we have been discovering and looking at how oftentimes the answer is absolutely no. Like that is not biblical. It's nowhere in the Bible. We don't see a place where with some of these things that we say a lot of times that Jesus ever even said. And with a lot of the things that are cliche and repeated and, you know, they make for great posts and they make for great advice. It's like Jesus didn't say that. He never did. And so what we're doing here in this series, you know, for Reach Online Church, you know, we're examining some of these things. And then what I also do in VBS, um, you know, the virtual Bible study via the, uh, the actual podcast, we're looking at ways that we can be more like him when it comes to the actual, you know, the topic, the saying or the issue at hand. And that's typically uploaded on Thursdays via the Reach and Teach podcast. So depending on who you ask, I'm sure the answers will vary greatly. Like if someone was to ask you, um, you know, as far as Christianity is concerned, what's one word that comes to mind? Um, I feel as if, again, the answers, they would vary greatly, but it's really not going to be that broad when Christianity uh, ends up being brought up. You know, whether the first thing that comes to mind for some, it might be Jesus Christ. It might be resurrection. It might be, you know, Christmas or the birth of Jesus. Like we have different things. Perhaps someone might even say the Holy Trinity. I don't know. Like what comes to your mind? What is the first thing, like word or phrase that would come to your mind as soon as you hear Christianity? A lot of times we as believers, you know, we're striving to live a certain way. We want to make sure that we are walking, you know, in alignment with God. We want to live according to the Bible that has God's will. It has God's ways. It has his precepts, you know, all of those different things within. We know that, um, you know, we know what it is that we are to do. We know what it is that we are not to do. And I think with that, therein comes a word that pops to the mind of many people when you hear Christianity, and that would be the word sin. It would be the word sin and only because oftentimes Christianity is associated with sin. Um, and I think it's, it's evident, you know, and why that would be me in this chair. Um, but of course we have Jesus who died for our sins. We see which things are sins if we do them. And we know that there are certain sins, you know, of course, if we don't do them, we see stories in the Bible on, you know, where a prophet, 
you know, maybe rebuked the nation or, you know, gave a harsh word of judgment from God because of the sins or because of the sinful lifestyle, because of the way that they were living. There were people that, you know, there were curses for disobedience because they were doing things that went against what God had already declared to be sinful. So we have all of these different things, of course, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to sin. And I was researching and actually preparing for this message, no matter the translation, uh, no matter the version that you look at, the word sin actually appears approximately 450 times in the Holy Bible. That's including Old and New Testament. And again, I say approximately because the numbers, it does vary based off of, you know, are you in, um, you know, the NASB? Are you in NIV? Are you in King JV? You know, the King James Version. So it, it kind of depends on which one you're looking at. But we do know that there are various sins, right? Like we are Christians. We know, we know that there are certain things that we are just not supposed to do because God said not to. Like that is what it all boils down to. Whether it's premarital sex, whether it's drunkenness, whether it's adultery, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's lust, whether it's stealing, all of these different things, there are different sins. And we believe that there is only one unforgivable sin. And I want to talk about the truth surrounding that while also looking into something that many people feel as if it's the one unforgivable sin, but not quite. So can you grab your Bibles and let's bow our heads and say a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I want to say thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment, Lord God. Thank you for this time. I want to say thank you, of course, of as I always say, for your word that never returns void. Thank you for your word that is alive and active. Thank you for the opportunity to reach and teach your children, Lord God. I know that this can be a tough, a tough subject um, and a tough you know, topic, of course, to even discuss and one to even hear. So I pray that you would give me the grace, of course, to carry through this message. I pray that you would allow me to speak the words that are necessary for your children to also hear and receive this message. I pray that you speak to each and every one of us in the manner that you see fit, because I know it's something that we all need to take away from this message, no matter what. Lord, over these moments, I have my notes, but my prayer is that you would decrease me and increase you. This moment is all about you and your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So there's only one unforgivable sin. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? Because I'm sure you've probably heard it before. You maybe have even used it before. I wonder if you've used it correctly. When we say that there's only one unforgivable sin, what is it? What it all boils down to is that unforgivable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And what that is, it's in it's insulting or showing, you know, lack of respect for or, you know, um, any type of contempt for God or religious things. So that is what blasphemy, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit um, is all about. Go with me to Mark 3. Let's put my glasses on. Let's start there, okay? Go with me to, um, and I have two two passages that are, you know, since they're both from the synoptic gospels, so they're going to be pretty much like one and the same. So Mark 3, starting in verse 22. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How is it that Satan can drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, then that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan himself 
oppose and if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand his end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. And he said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. So verse 28, he says, truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. Look at Matthew 12, because here it is. We pretty much, we see the same thing, but you know, just context and we all have preferences, right? Matthew 12, starting in verse 22. Am I in the right one? Yes, I am. So again, then they brought him a demon possessed man who was blind and mute and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and they said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So it's so much to unpack, right? I remember that we did like the gift that keeps on giving. Maybe that was about a year ago, if I'm not mistaken, or I don't know when it was. And, you know, I was talking about how, you know, Jesus gave the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we really looked into the roles of the Holy Spirit and really understanding that the Holy Spirit, you know, he is his own separate part, but yet still collectively part of the Holy Trinity, right? So we see here that Jesus is saying like, you can say whatever against me. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. How interesting is that? I've heard people say that there's only one unforgivable sin. The question being, but did Jesus say that? Well, yes. We see that in both passages that were just read. It is literally right here in the word that there is one eternal or unforgivable sin, which is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, also known as the sin unto death, that is specified in several passages, again, of the synoptic gospels too, that were included. And you know that I just, in the aforementioned uh, two passages that I just read in Mark and Matthew, we also see it in Luke 12, 10. We also see it in other New Testament passages. Um, look at Hebrews 6. We can quickly go to Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. And it says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, 
who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Look at Hebrews 10, starting in verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the son of God, the son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Look at 1 John 5, 16. 1 John 5, 16 says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death, and I am not saying that you should pray about that. So we have many different passages that talk about, you know, the sin unto death. We see many different things when it comes to, um, you know, of course, all of these different topics at hand. And when it comes to unforgivable sin, when it comes to blasphemy, when it comes to, you know, about going against the Holy Spirit when it comes to even going against Jesus himself. But then we have Jesus himself, the one who says that all power and authority were given to me, who is saying there is only one unforgivable sin. You can say whatever against me, but let me tell you this. Here's what you cannot do. So why did Jesus feel the need to mention blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? You have to look at context. You have to think about what was going on at this time when he was delivering this message. Well, we have the Pharisees who had witnessed, they had witnessed evidence that could not be disputed when it came to Jesus performing miracles. He was literally using the Holy Spirit's power because again, the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit, which is three in one. We have God, the Father, Christ, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, right? Who is at work within us. And we have God, the Father, who gave all power and authority to Christ as the Son of of man. And I want to say even Matthew 28, 18 speaks of all power and authority have been given to me. But Jesus is saying, hey, I've been given all power. I've been given all authority. And those things were given by only the one who can actually give it, which is God the Father. So then what's going on here in those passages is that the Jewish leaders accused Jesus of being demon possessed, but they knew who he was. Truth be told, they know that he was the Messiah. Jesus had miracles, signs, and wonders that were all following him. But instead, they denied the truth and they slandered the Holy Spirit. So now we can start talking about salvation just a little bit, right? Because salvation is about being eternally saved. Means being saved forever. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, says that that way, whoever would actually believe in him, you would live, you would not perish. He loved us so much that he sent his son for us. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for us. Before knowing about the porn, 
before knowing about the adultery, before even knowing anything as far as the addiction, the abortion, the profanity, the drunkenness, murder, stealing, lust, homosexuality, whatever. Jesus knew about all of those things. And it's saying, what did you have been pre-forgiven? Therefore, there is nothing that is unforgivable. It's saying he already decided that you were going to be pre-forgiven so that there's nothing that you would end up doing that was going to cause you to not be forgiven by him. Look at Romans 5.20. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So it's like sin started to get a little bit crazy. Guess what? Grace increased a little bit more because in order for, it says what, the love and the grace, like those things that actually cover our sins, right? So the crazier the sin, the, the, the way that those things might actually increase. Now the grace actually increases. Go to Hebrews 7, 25. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. You are already forgiven. You are eternally saved. So what is there to talk about as far as this message is concerned? We already know well that mental health is at an all-time high right now due to the pandemic. There's actually wait lists that exist for psychology, for psychiatry. Again, everything is at an all-time high. Um, and oftentimes, of course, during times of tragedy that are surrounding mental illness, i.e. suicide, there are those that state how the departed, how the person who decided to commit suicide, how they are actually going to go to hell because that is the unforgivable sin. They have to go to hell. They don't have time to repent. And again, we can always examine the whole once saved, always saved. There's myth and truth to that. And I say that because, again, going back to Romans, when you look at Romans 8.30, Romans 8.30 says, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Salvation is secure. So this verse is telling us that from the moment that God chose you, from the moment that God actually chooses us, it is as if we are glorified in his presence in heaven. It says there is nothing that can prevent a believer from one day being glorified because God has already purposed it in heaven. Once a person is justified, his salvation is guaranteed. He is as secure as if he is already glorified in heaven. So yes, that would mean even for the person who in a place of being down on their whatever, feeling some type of way and just feel like I just cannot go on, being mentally ill, sick or drained, they made a decision. But guess what? If that was a person who was in Christ already glorified in heaven. Look at 1 Peter 1, 5. I don't have my actual Bible with everything tagged. 1 Peter 1, 5, and it says, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And then even before that, it says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Once saved, always saved is one thing. That is, that's one thing that we can have a whole separate message on, like even just talking about that. But there's really no need because I've spoken about this before. There are three parts when it comes to salvation. You enter, 
into salvation when you are first saved, which is justification, you then grow and say, okay, I'm no longer a babe in Christ. It's time for me to actually evolve and, you know, go deeper spiritually speaking. That is sanctification. That is when you are actually not doing something else that the Bible says, which is stifling the Holy Spirit. When it's saying, I'm not going to stifle the Holy Spirit. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to be at work within me. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to do its job. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to convict me and to produce certain fruit inside of me. That is how you get to sanctification. And then the third part, of course, is eternity. You know, of course, that is the return of the Lord where we will experience glorification. So once saved, always saved. Yes, because you can't lose your salvation unless you decide you don't want it no more, unless you denounce it, unless you denounce, reject and or blaspheme the Holy Spirit, unless you say, okay, well, I am no longer a Christian. I am walking away from the Christian faith. I no longer believe that there is a God in heaven. I no longer believe in Jesus Christ, the son. I no longer believe in this Holy Spirit. Once you get to that point, then that is where it's like, okay, the whole once saved, always saved goes out the window because now you are saying those things don't exist. Hebrews says that he rewards those who believe that he exists, right? So going back again, touch touchy subject, I know, but going back to suicide again, someone who mentally ill, someone who is sick, Suicide is all about, yes, taking a life, albeit your own, which prevents them from achieving eternal life. But does it? Because that's what many people believe. Some say, well, absolutely, that has to be the unforgivable sin. Because how do you even get a chance to repent? Again, in Christianity, it is definitely a hot topic. And that is why many say that it is the unforgivable sin. They believe that that is what it's all about. But where did this even come from? Where did this come from? So Thomas Aquinas, who was a Catholic priest, if I don't know if I said his name correctly, Thomas Aquinas, a Catholic priest and doctor of the church, he actually denounced suicide as an act that goes against God. And he said, it is one in which a person absolutely, they cannot repent. So therefore many follow suit with that. And many people share the same sentiments as him. Now we're not going to act as if suicide is not a sin. Of course, just because someone is experiencing something does not mean that um, you are just automatically, you get a free pass. Yes, there's grace and there's mercy. Of course, we understand all of that, but it's not, oh, okay, well, yeah, well, you can do whatever because you're having a bad day. You can do whatever because you know, you're feeling suicide is still a sin. Yes. Because it is still taking a life. And in 1533, those that even committed the act of suicide, they were denied a Christian burial. In 1693, even attempted suicide was punishable. But here's the thing. There's always a but God. Because there's this thing called atonement, right? And atonement, it covers every and all sin, past and future. That is what atonement is. It's saying, hey, the sins that were previously committed, the sins that you're going to commit, the sins that you don't even know, like they're all wrapped up in that, right? What does the word say? What does the word say? Look at Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Look at Romans 8. 38 through 39. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So how do we respond as Christ followers? How are we to understand all of this? When it comes to unforgivable sin, when it comes to suicide, when it comes to mental illness, when it comes to everything, one, by being compassionate, because people are fighting battles that you know nothing about. Simply put, just because someone's smiling does not mean that they are happy and good to go. Number two, by sharing the truth of God, by sharing the truth in his word, but doing it with love. And then three, by realizing that at the end of the day, we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Remembering number three will make it easy to be compassionate and to share the truth with love. So self-application. What did you need to hear today about salvation and forgiveness? What about as far as atonement and sin? Maybe even about suicide, perhaps. What is something that you needed to hear and how can you apply that going forward as you just proceed as a child of God? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to just say, um, Lord, I want to pray that you would guard, guide, and protect those who are suffering right now in silence. Those who are only holding on because of their love and fear for you. Lord God, my prayer is that you would comfort them, that you would equip them, and that you would strengthen them to hold on. That is, that is my prayer, Lord God, that you would meet everyone where they are right now, mentally and emotionally, and that you would be the strength that they need in this time of weakness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. My prayer is that you would also comfort those who are experiencing the loss of someone who felt as if they could no longer hold on. My prayer is that you would provide them peace and comfort. And I pray that this message was a reminder um, and a comfort to them that their loved one who was in Christ is still with you even now, all things better. This is my prayer for everyone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, you can always visit the website to stay connected, www.thejalministry.com. You can sow into this ministry if you are led. You can subscribe so that you can stay in the know. You can shop, browse, subscribe to the podcast. So many different things to do while you are there. But God bless. I pray that you have a fantastic rest of the day and I will talk to you all later. Bye-bye.